sweet hello everyone and the warmest welcome to the passion break podcast i'm so delighted to have you here today joining us listening inspiring type breaking and wisdom filled stories so that you could reach towards to your personal potential and more satisfying life Today I'm joining with Katrina, who is a registered acupuncturist and Eastern Asian herbalist. Her special areas of interest includes digestive issues and women's reproductive health and sexual well-being. She believes that this medicine has the ability to empower women to feel connected, proud and in awe of the miraculous nature of their bodies. In this conversation, we're going to talk about Katrina's work, her journey to it and how herbs and acupuncture can help improve women's reproductive health and sexual well-being. So welcome Katrina to Passion Break Podcast. How is your soul feeling today? Thanks Jess, thanks for having me on the show. I feel really honored to be a part of Uh, your show and also amongst the ranks of your previous guests yeah I'm feeling good thank you thank you yeah and you are based on Sydney is that right yes in Sydney yes we're in the middle of a lockdown at the moment so just making the most of time here oh yeah true how how long have you been in lockdown now um I think you've had several lockdowns is that right yeah um I think we're up to about I think it's like 11 or 12 weeks or so yeah something like that yeah we've been very lucky here like I'm based in Sweden and we haven't Mm -hmm. had like any lockdowns they have taken Mm -hmm. it like very lightly in in that Mm -hmm. sense (laughs) but uh yeah it's it's very interesting to see how different countries are uh, having a different strategies when it comes to COVID Um, and actually, it very much interests me to see or hear that um, from from your viewpoint of um, having this knowledge of acupuncture and um, herbal medicine, um, obviously, there probably isn't like one treatment to do, but is there something that people can help their immune system or boost their immune system during these times when the virus is on? Yeah, I guess a lot. Uh, a big part of Chinese medicine is sort of understanding the weaknesses in the body. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of fix that or, you know, bolster that up, I think that would be more of a personalized approach to each person. Um, but I guess in terms of general, you know, there are herbs that, you know, are sort of chi boosting and things like that. But when it comes to Chinese medicine, because it is a more personalized uh, medicine, then we really should look at each person's weakness in the body and try to fix that up. Right. Okay. And what are the like main like principles in um, acupuncture when you look at like the body's health? I've heard about like the chi, which is the energy and the energy flowing in the body. Um, and mm. then if there is any like um, issues in the body, it's kind of the plug it like plug plugage of the energy uh, of blockage, the chi. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of looking at it as well. Yeah, I guess we also look at so. Um, yin and yang so the balance of opposites so we're always comparing you know whether it's hot cold if it's you know an internal or external issue yeah so essentially looking at the channels each of the different channels and what sort of has pathology in that Um, so each of the 12 main channels relates to one of the organs uh, not necessarily our anatomical organs Um, but we kind of look where is again the weakest the weakest link or what the pattern shows us Okay, so when a patient comes um, into into a practice, um, what is it usually, of course, maybe they come because they have some certain issue, but what is the first thing that you look or what is the first thing that you dive into when the patient comes to your practice? 
Yeah, I guess we're always, even just straight from when they come in, we're always observing, I guess we're always using our senses essentially. So observing, smelling, touching, things like that. But I guess the first thing is just sort of looking at them and you kind Mm -hmm. of can kind of get a determination of their constitution. So whether they're what we call more in excess, they have too much of something or what we call deficiency. So they're kind of lacking in something. Mm, That is so interesting. Like, I was just thinking, like, as you probably then have that skill, like, how is it when you go to, like, a supermarket or a party and you see, like, all of these people and you're like, oh, he's lacking of that. She needs to do this. <laughs> like, Yeah, for sure. I remember, uh, I think back in second year, one of my teachers was saying that she says when she goes out, all she does is just observe people. And now I notice that, you know, over time very much, you know, you look at how the person walks down the street, you know, the balance between the legs facial expressions, colour of the face, so many different little details and nuances that you can pick up on these things. It's so interesting. So is there um, is there one like a kind of issue that pops up when it comes to when you look at your client base? Is, is there something that a lot of people come to you for? Uh, I think a lot of, well, yeah, I guess for me, it's mostly uh, women's health. Um, so whether it's a lot to do with period pains or any sort of like period mm-hmm. irregularities as well, and then that relates back to fertility. So we can kind of see, kind of pinpoint where they need some help with fertility support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in acupuncture, there's the so-called meridians, right? That goes mm-hmm. through the body. What yeah. they are exactly? I have never discovered that. Yeah. So I guess um, essentially it's pathways of where um yeah essentially pathways of connecting the body together and each sort of point can have a different function of reminding the body how it should be um I guess how it should be working um but essentially if you think of it sort of like I guess a tapestry connecting the body together so connecting the different organs together um and yeah connect yeah essentially connecting it together Right. And but do they actually exist like physically in the body or they're exactly like energetic pathways? Uh, Yeah. So there's, I guess, a bit of research in um, trying to connect it to Western medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people liken it to the nerves. Um, There's also people liken it to the fascia as well. So like the spaces in between. Um, I've also heard of some studies about where the acupuncture points are supposedly um, there's a bit more nitrous oxide um, coming out from those areas of the points in the body. Um, so yeah, there's some correlations, but I think there isn't that definite concrete. Like, this is the channel. This is where it is. And so how did your journey start? Like how, what um, started this interest towards the acupuncture and the Eastern Asian medicine? Yeah, I guess it was a bit random for me. So um, I guess I started, you know, finished high school, went to business school, um, mm. became an accountant for five years. Um, mm. But then, yeah, eventually sort of found my way um, into Canada with one of my high school friends, just taking a career break. And then I um, moved over to Whistler with my partner. And I think a mix of, you know, living in the mountains, experience the four different seasons, Um, and doing a yoga teacher training. Um, One day I was just sitting on the couch and the idea just popped into my head. Uh, So I thought, I hadn't really thought of anything consciously of what I was going to be doing when I returned back to Sydney from Canada, but that just idea popped into my head. And I thought, okay, let's do it. Uh, So yeah, funnily enough, I'd never actually received acupuncture before. I had, you know, had some herbs sort of 
some light herbs here and there um, through my family, um, just for sort of nothing too serious, but, you know, sort of regulating uh, tonifying herbs that you commonly have in foods. Uh, yeah, it was just a sort of a random thought, so I just decided to pursue it. That is so cool. Like kind of you channel it through the yoga teacher training, if I understood correctly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I don't know. Like it's hard to know how it came about, but it just somehow popped into my head one day. That is cool. Yeah. And now when you have practiced it, was it a one year? Yeah. So um, in Australia, it's a four year degree. Mm -hmm. um, so finish that first with a number of subjects, including um, Western and Eastern medicine, and then a number of clinic hours, practical clinic hours. And then we head off into the big wide world and begin practicing on our own. Right. And ever since you've been an entrepreneur, or you've been working for some clinics? Uh, essentially, yes. Yeah. So I guess I'm somewhat of an entrepreneur in that I subcontract with an existing clinic. But, you know, I just run my own show, but we have like support staff there. That's the one in Oatley and then in Baranir. Um, yeah, I rent a room at another clinic as well and then just run my own practice there. Nice. And has it been easy to find clients? Is it like a more well-known practice in, in Australia or Sydney? I think gradually over the past few years, it has been a lot more popular. So I think it's a good time for uh, people to enter um, the market in terms of becoming a practitioner. Uh, I don't think it has been that difficult, but I think at the same time, the places that I am working at, um, they have an existing reputation and I'm really lucky to have uh, referrals from my other colleagues as well. So chiropractors, massage therapists, uh, psychologists, physios, they refer on their patients onto me. So there's that support there as well. Right. So do you kind of like work together with these different kind of practices? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So we kind of just can see where the patient might benefit from additional treatment from a different mm -hmm. modality. And I think that kind of encompasses part of the idea of Chinese medicine being a holistic approach. So we kind of see what they could benefit from. Don't just think, oh, okay, just, just stick with Chinese medicine. No, there's other modalities that they could definitely uh, feel better from afterwards as well. Yeah, because um, if I understand right, it's like... Um, Chinese medicine treats people in such a way that they have the acupuncture and then they have the herbs, right? Um, which I found really interesting because also like Ayurveda, which is obviously the Indian um, like old medical system, they treat it with the massage and herbs. And I think it's like really like cool to see these different varieties of how different cultures have predicted uh, healing practices. Yeah, so I guess it, they can go hand in hand, but also I think it also depends on what school of thought you follow as well. So the herbal study that I do might not necessarily um, gel so well with some of the um, acupuncture practices that I do. I'm not saying that they contradict each other, but it's not like the theory is like matching exactly because I guess we come back to the history of Chinese medicine mm -hmm. as well. It used to be, uh, you know, sort of family, uh, different families practicing and they had their own school of thought and then over time, different schools of thought developed as well. So there's all these different theories out there that may or may not go together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard like something that kind of um, Chinese medicine took some kind of influence from the Ayurveda. Um, do you think that that's true? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible because I think um, I think from what I have heard that Ayurveda predates Chinese medicine and they have the nadis they have the channels as well so 
mm. for sure. And I guess with religious influence coming through, like a lot of uh, Buddhism, um, you know, essentially Buddhism coming from India and it traveling around and even some of the medicine that we practice, it was because monks traveled, say, from China to Japan that it developed in its certain way. Right. It's so interesting. Um, so now I would like to go on a little like a more sillier questions like mm. does acupuncture hurt? I think a lot of people are like, well, it's needles. So like there is sticking needles into my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, what would you say for that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question and definitely a very common question. So I think it really depends upon the practitioner's style and also the technique that they use. Sometimes you do need a bit more of a heavy-handed approach depending Mm. on the condition and some pain will be involved. But in general, with insertion, um, because now we have these plastic tubes which make it easier, or if you do freehand, uh, if you've practiced well with that, uh, it shouldn't hurt too much. And ideally, if there is pain, it'll only be temporary. uh, But ideally, we want the patient to be able to relax on the table. We don't want them you know, in pain and not be able to relax because part of that relaxing is required for the healing to happen. I've seen like this pictures exactly. They have the needles, like a lot of needles on that and the face area. And for me, it's mm-hmm. been like, wow, because I know that the skin in the face is like so, so, um, how you say, thin. Yeah. Um, so I've been like wondering exactly like, is it uncomfortable? Does it feel like very uncomfortable when you have like many needles in one spot? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So if you actually look at, say the, um, so the ones for the face are definitely a lot thinner than the ones from the body. But if you look at the ones from the body, I think you might've seen a few pictures online where someone's taken a picture of their hair or a cat's hair or whatever, and they put needles next to it. And you'll mm. see that it's essentially as thin as hair. So it's not going to be like those scary, uh, you know, injection needles. Um, yeah. So it's not going to be as uncomfortable, but yeah, the ones on the face are way more thinner. So a lot of, yeah, a lot of the patients that I do the cosmetic acupuncture on, they don't feel anything essentially. And they're actually surprised. They were expecting pain and expecting discomfort given the number of needles, but they're totally relaxed and falling asleep on the bed. That's so cool. And what is actually like the background of the needles? So I understand that there's the meridians. So you're letting the chi flow. Um, but what 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 is the purpose of the needle? What do they actually do for that point? Yeah, so again, uh, come back to history as well. So before, um, back in history, you know, the needles now are very much an industrial product, right? In history, yeah. we didn't have that ability to make those really thin needles. Um, so if we look at back in history, there's what's called the nine needles, which is referred to back in that classical text that I mentioned before, the Yellow Emperor's text. Um, so yeah, essentially it looked like that well, I think, gosh, I can't remember if I'm remembering my class history correctly, but <laughs> I don't think there was full insertion with those old needles because they're quite large. They're a bit scary. Um, but then if we come back to sort of modern day practice, um, by putting the needles in there, we're just trying to stimulate the point. And for each of the different points, uh, we think that each different point has a different function of reminding the body how to regulate itself. Mm, okay so it's reminding the body because uh, I thought that it's somehow like pre- like the pressing kind of or putting and activating the point of the body and therefore like opening some luggage that the chi can flow again <laughs> yeah that's another way of looking at it for sure okay. yeah that's definitely yeah there's definitely points that have that sort of function and then I think just as a general sort of umbrella idea is that it's reminding the body oh, okay yeah you should be unplugged you should be 
flowing freely. Mm-hmm. So what would you say that as you said that there was some, when, when a patient comes in and you look at their outlook and their smell and how they walk and everything. So mm-hmm. what would you say that, okay, this is the features of balanced person or human being? <laughs> oh, I'm not too sure because I'm not really sure if anyone is actually perfectly balanced, but mm. I guess it's a lot how you respond to situations. You know, are you like immediately reactive? Are you sort of pulling away? Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure if I can answer that question because I guess everyone who comes in has something and I think everybody has something that they're working on mm. essentially. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe it's to do with the actions. I'm really not too sure about that. Yeah, I mean, it is obviously that it's very individual. I was just thinking of like, if we maybe we could ask the question reverse, like what are kind of alarming signs of unbalance or, or if you have a big unbalance in your body? Yeah, okay. So I guess if we think of it in that way, we can, um, so in Chinese medicine, we look at also the tongue, like we get the patient to stick out their tongue see how that is so we look at the body of the tongue the coat and everything and then we also feel for the pulse so I guess if there's any sort of what we deem pathological with those things those could be signs of imbalance Um, and then again just asking questions about um, functions in their body and then that would tell us okay how in terms of I guess scale of how like strong imbalance to like moderate imbalance Mm, okay yeah like uh, I've heard something especially with the tongue that if you have a lot of like white coating that means that there's like toxins in your body um is that right uh we don't really oh we don't speak too much or speak a bit about toxins but in terms of tongue it could be in terms of white it could be some coldness in the body it could Mm -hmm. be what we call dampness which is like too many too much fluids uh stuck Mm -hmm. in the body those could be possible things but then we have to also look at it in collection with all the other signs and symptoms, um, you know, the tongue shape as well. So it's not just like one thing equals that exactly. It's, we have to look at the body as a whole and then that uh, provides us with, a di- or can provide us uh, more information towards a diagnosis. Yeah, I love that though, because I think that's what Western medicine is a lot about. It's like this one thing means this thing and there's mm. one treatment or exactly. a few treatments or a few pills. And that's yeah. why I'm a huge fan of like um, alternative medicines, because I love the approach that you are not looking for like, okay, your hand hurts. Let's mm-hmm. treat your hand. It's like mm. your hand hurts. Why does it hurt? Where's the yeah. root cause? And you yeah, exactly. go to heal that root cause, which I think it is in the long run, much more effective and sustainable. Mm. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. What would you say is these main issues um, that people should look acupuncture as a choice for for their healing uh, practice Mm, I think uh, definitely pain so you know a lot of people just head straight for the uh, the NSAIDs the non-sterile anti-inflammatories so those easy sort of painkillers but I think a lot of us know already that they are quite damaging on the stomach when taken long term and a lot of people do have a lot of long-term pain uh, so definitely pain. That's a very big one in Chinese medicine. Uh, if we come back to my areas of interest, so digestive issues. Um, so, you know, reflux, constipation, diarrhea. Um, yeah, pretty much a lot of the digestive issues we can help with with acupuncture and herbs. 
And then if we look at sort of more women's health, um, I think a big thing for me is that I want to make it known to women that it's not normal to have really strong menstrual symptoms, you know, mm. period pain or extreme period pain, you know, maybe a bit of discomfort here and there, but, you know, extreme period pain, extreme PMS, that's just actually not normal from a Chinese medicine perspective. It's essentially the body saying, hey, there's something wrong. There's something out of balance. Pay attention to me, you know, mm. whereas unfortunately it's just become normalized and I guess dismissed in a sense, you know, a lot of women have been told, oh, it's normal keep going with your life uh, and then also the issue of op- then being over prescribed medicines in terms of have the pill but as again it's not addressing the root cause because they come off the pill and the problem comes back and if not worse because it's been masked for so long yeah essentially the oral contraceptives have been taken over their hormonal system yeah yeah and I have actually had, um, I have so much to say about that, so I don't know where to start, but I've had like my own uh, journey with that, that I had a hormonal um, birth control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like searching for that word. Yeah, birth control. Mm. And yeah. uh, so to shorten it up, I was using a hormonal birth control for a few years. Mm-hmm. And before that, I had like a super clear skin and I didn't really have any problems with my skin at all. And mm-hmm. like three months after when I took off that ring and came out of it, like my skin just bloomed. Like mm-hmm. I had really bad acne for almost a few years. Mm. Um, and it really scared me. I knew like that that can happen because obviously like your hormones, like, yeah, your hormones go in imbalance, but it just was like very shocked to me that it took that much time then. And also that it was like cystic, like how you say cystic acne. Uh, so it was like, acne. yeah, exactly. Cystic acne. So like it really hurt (laughs) like it Mm -hmm. was like pain in my face and Mm. of course like it affects a lot of more than just like that you have these pimples on your face but really affects also onto your um self-esteem and of course like everything that goes to to yeah your facial skin like Mm -hmm. it damages your facial skin you can leave scars and whatnot so Mm um I would like I know that we talked about it before also a little bit on the emails but that's obviously some part of that I I saw that you were treating a patient who was Mm -hmm. acne who had acne or who Mm -hmm. has acne um so what is like your point of view for when it comes to acne or hormonal imbalance in a woman's body yeah so uh again it's just another one of those signs saying hey let's pay attention um I guess just first I just want to say that you know oral contraceptives, hormonal therapy is not not necessarily a bad thing. There's definitely a time and a place for it. It's just unfortunate that it has been overprescribed. And I guess by a medical system that won't admit to not understanding um, how the female body actually works. Mm. Yeah, so I guess with the um, different hormonal treatments, it might be that it is, depending on the type of treatment as well, but, you know, it's essentially telling the body to stop producing Um, these hormones and then when you do go off these hormones your body takes time to I guess come back online as we say Um, so once it is in that sort of um, re-regulating phase you know hormone levels are sort of all over the place and then that can result in the acne so I guess with the Chinese medicine the East Asian herbal medicine and acupuncture what we're trying to do is um, help the body remember how it's meant to 
operate in terms of the levels, the timing and everything as well of these hormones. Right. Um, So what kind of treatments there are for hormonal imbalance in acupuncture and um, Eastern Asian medicine? Yeah. So each patient that comes with acne won't necessarily receive the same treatment, but really depend upon um, that could be essentially the different organs that might be um, in pathology. Uh, So say for that particular patient that you might have seen a photo of, um, it was more her Chinese medicine liver. So I just clarified by saying Chinese medicine liver because I don't necessarily mean her anatomical liver. Um, So you don't have to Mm -hmm, worry about mm -hmm. that. Uh, But essentially her one was very much um, based on stress and stress can impact the Chinese medicine liver because the Chinese medicine liver um, likes to sort of, yeah, essentially like help chi flow outwards. And when, you know, the person gets stressed, the body gets stressed, it becomes constrained, um, and then things can't flow through the body properly. And then essentially when flow doesn't happen, you know, things get stuck, um, and then that can manifest in the skin. I guess another thing to also point out is, you know, the body is always trying to isolate anything that it doesn't want to the furthest outreaches of the body. So whether that's in the arms and legs, um, in the skin, because that's the most outest layer, So it's kind of a reflection of what's happening inside because the body's trying to push all this stuff it doesn't want to the outer layers. And that's why it can manifest in the skin. That is so interesting. Like, I love this. (laughs) I'm just so (laughs) interested of this. Yeah, I'm so so interested of this thing because I really want to tell this little story because Mm. I was working for this holistic supplement store uh, Mm -hmm. while I was having very bad skin. And um, there we had this um, one woman who was doing like BioSync, I think it's named. Like it is this machine which kind of like um, goes through... Like you, you get your, if I remember right, you, you put your hand in this machine. Yeah, it was so that you put your hand in this machine and it like sends like signals through your hand, tr- like throughout your body and every like organ and every part of your body has some certain frequency and it kind of goes through those frequencies and sees how balanced or imbalanced they are. And it was just really interesting to see because then I got my chart back and I was exactly expecting like, because I have acne, I have some problem in my liver, liver or kidneys or exactly skin in, in the skin itself as the skin is the biggest organ we have. Um, but when I got my chart back, what uh, was so imbalanced, like red of the reds was my lungs and like I was like lungs like what like I don't smoke I I live I lived uh, up in the mountains back then so I had like fresh air so I was living in a big city you know with a lot of like pollution and I was exercising I was doing breathing exercises throughout yoga and I was like what can be wrong with my lungs and then the woman was saying like you know are you exper- are you experiencing grief or sadness um through throughout your family life or your personal life and I was like well my parents divorced like a few years ago and we have still like very tense family situation and I have a lot of like um yeah fights with my sister and it's kind of like unbalanced at at home and she was like well yeah like the lungs are connected to the energy of grief and sadness and I was like what 
that <laughs> like for me it was just so weird that this kind of like frequency or machine could show that there's something so not wrong in my lungs but that my lungs are imbalanced even though I don't physically do anything to kind of um, put them in danger so that kind of put me a click to really understand how connected our emotions are with our physical body. Yeah, that's really interesting because I don't know if you know that ties perfectly well with Chinese medicine theory. So, no. okay, yeah. So I was, gonna, I was like slowly listening to your story and all these boxes were sort of ticking in my head. So it's kind of cool. Um, and just to see the correlation. So I guess to sort of explain, uh, so in Chinese medicine, we have the five different phases or five different elements. Um, this is one of the theories. Not everyone uses this theory, um, but it's one of the sort of foundational theories that we at least learn um, in school. Um, so if you think of the image of the pentagram, each of the five vertices, the uh, tips of the star uh, relate to each of the phases. And one of the phases is metal. Mm-hmm. And with each of the phases, you have... Uh, well, most of them, you have two organs related to them. Um, so with metal, you have lung, which is paired with large intestine. Um, and very much so metal has to do with, yeah, um, grief mm-hmm. is the main emotion dealing with it as well. And we say that the lungs, um, so each of those five phases has a different tissue in the body that relates to it. So uh, metal relates to the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and another question, so you don't have to answer this, but someone who also might have skin issues might also have bowel movement issues since the, the related organ is the large intestine. So a number of patients that I do see that have acne also do have constipation. And I guess if we think of that idea of letting go, they have issues mm-hmm. with letting go. And that also relates back to grief as well, because it is that whole idea of, you know, I guess, at least from what I've experienced, you know, grief is you know, love, but manifested in a different way. And mm. essentially we do have to let go. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful because I think it is making so much more sense in such a way because I think that these alternative medicines can go like kind of under the surface, so to say. Um, I think that there is for sure a place for a Western medicine and the treatments and the technology we have from that hand. But when it comes to really these, like diving deep into the root cause, which I am so fascinated about, is that when I turn my head towards the alternative medicines. And this was the time that I went, you know, um, dermatologist with my acne. They are giving me a pill that Rocotan or, you know, different like creams or cleansing products. And I knew that a pill or like a cleansing product is not what is going to help me like I know that there was deeper issue for that and something that I really needed to work on whether it was putting my hormones back into the balance or exactly uh, dealing with my emotions um so when I went to this like biosync, even that woman she like described me some certain like minerals and vitamins and um she wasn't using like herbs in general, but like more, yeah, my vitamins and minerals. And they they either didn't like help me at all. Um, and where I really found help was to change my environment and to really start to see what I was dealing with and how toxic environment I was in when it came to family life. And that was just like, for me, mind blowing how quickly my skin healed when I understood that it was more emotional and 
I was, you know, I, I have had, I haven't had any problem with um, my belly or bowel movement. Um, so therefore I wasn't really looking also what I, like I was already eating like vegetarian and very healthy in at least my opinion, <laughs> but uh, knowing a lot of about nutrition. And I think that's what people a lot of also say, like drink more water, they like look onto your nutritional, which, which are important, right? But I think that, um, well, at least in my case, what I learned is like, when it comes to health, like it really starts from your emotions and like how you pursue life and how you see life. And then all of these other details, which are important, and of course, like affects to your health, like sleep, diet, exercise, um, all of these stuff, like they are important. But I really think that from my perspective, what really matters is your mental, like, so to say life, or how you pursue and see your body inside outside and the world as well inside or how you see the world how you pursue the world outside of you yeah Hmm. (laughs) yeah for sure I definitely agree with that yeah but it's like really interesting to hear so what is the other part to say that there is the one you said was five elements yeah five elements five phases is a different translation Mm -hmm. right okay and so one of them was metal can you tell Mm -hmm. what the other ones are yeah, sure. So uh, we start, or oh, we can start with either water or wood. Anyway, we can start anywhere. I'll just start with wood. Um, yeah. So wood uh, relates to the organs of the liver and the gallbladder. Um, mm. And then there's also the season of spring. So you might also see, or at least if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you might see a lot of acupuncturists posting now about liver being the spring, um, springtime being now season of the liver. Um, mm. Yeah, the emotion there is anger. And the flavor is sour. Um, so sort of, I guess, pathologies you could consider relating to stress, um, easy anger, um, you know, also like uh, menstruation not coming on time. Uh, what else can we talk about as well? I guess there's, um, yeah, the tissue for that is the tendons as well. So, you know, if you have sort of like dry, crackly joints, it might be that your tendons are undernourished. Uh, if we move on to the next phase, which is fire. So I guess I'll just tell you, I'm just going in order of what we call the generating cycle. So we can mm-hmm. also say that uh, wood is the mother of fire. So I guess the way to think about that is to think, okay, you need wood to make fire. So essentially mm-hmm. wood generates fire. And uh, so like I said before, each of the phases generally have two organs, but fire actually has four organs related to it. So you have heart paired with small intestine. And also with fire, you have a uh, pericardium um, paired with what we call the uh, sanjiao or the triple burner, which is also this sort of other concept slash intangible organ. Um, so yeah, fire, um, again, relates to sort of obvious things like heat. It's also relates to blood in the body as well. And it relates to also what we call um, shen can also be related, uh, sorry, translated into spirit. Um, so it's kind of like the overall spirit, but then each of the phases actually has its own um, spirit as well. But yeah, the overall spirit there. Uh, and then the next phase. Um, so again, we can say that uh, we go from wood to fire and then onto earth. So we can say that now um, fire is the mother of earth or earth is the child of fire. 
Mm-hmm. So it might be easy if we like show like a pentagram drawing here, but you can kind of just imagine it flowing in a, a clockwise direction in your mind. Um, yeah. yeah. And I guess also another thing, uh, I think I'm just adding things as we go along, but we also look at directions <laughs> as well within each of these phases. So the direction for earth is like the center, whereas the other ones are like north, south, east, and west. Um, so yeah, center for the earth uh, and the organs being the spleen and the stomach. And it's all about sort of, I guess, stability, grounding, also, uh, you know, digestion, assimilation of nutrients from the outside world as well. Uh, I guess, yeah, if we think about pathologies, it could relate to digestive issues. So whether or not you're not absorbing nutrients properly because it's not being broken down properly or other things such as, you know, acid reflux because the stomach, um, China's medicine also talks about direction. The stomach is meant to be descending. So if the stomach's mm-hmm. not working, then you goes up and you think of, you know, acid reflux. It's mm-hmm. you know, literally an upsurge from your stomach. Uh, and then the next phase, we come back to metal, which I've talked about briefly. And then the child, so the phase after uh, metal is then water. So this pertains to the kidneys and the urinary bladder. Um, yeah pertains to yeah sorry water uh, another one of the emotions relates to is fear and the kidneys are kind of um, relates to what we call our prenatal chi so sort of what we're born with from our parents mm-hmm. we're born with that sort of fixed amount of prenatal chi but we can bolster it up with what we call postnatal chi so that's things of what we eat what we drink the air we breathe that can help maintain those levels yeah it's so like when you get your patients do you also always like talk about the emotions that they're experiencing yeah that's a big one yeah yeah so is it so that then if someone would exactly experience a lot of anger there probably could be a problem coming up with their liver so it kind of is correlated in that way yeah exactly that's kind of a thing like um we also i guess an example i can also uh draw back on is I remember I felt my friend's pulse for the first time and each of the Mm -hmm. different so on the wrist there's um on the radial side on the thumb side um there are three positions and on each Mm -hmm. on the left and right each of those three positions pertain to those different organs that I just mentioned um and it is sort of in that order of that um phase cycle that I mentioned as well uh yeah so essentially I felt something in her liver pulse and to mm-hmm. me, I my immediate question was, oh, do you feel angry easily? And she said, yeah, I was a really angry child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's how it comes up as well. Um, you know, there can be different things happening. Um, but yeah, definitely one of the questions is, how's your emotions? You know, I see which box the patient ticks and then kind of can help me hone in on that organ might have something wrong with it. Well, not wrong with it, but, you know, imbalance or need some help essentially. Yeah, it's like so fascinating and like the question that comes into my mind is like why why are we now just like diving back into this like why haven't this been or basic medical system and all the technology and everything come like just support it um, because I just think that this is you know we can kind of forget like we kind of robotize ourselves and we kind of forget that we are 
you know, part of this nature and we are having exactly these tendencies and energies and emotions and the energy flowing in us, um, that it's not just this skin and bones <laughs> type of a thing and just random organs working. <laughs> like, I think it's just really beautiful to kind of tune back into that wisdom that these people who created these Ayurveda or Chinese medicine to just like look back into their wisdom and knowing what they've studied years and years that has come through years and years to a life that we are living now um so for sure it stands something true if it has stay alive for that many years <laughs> yeah definitely I think you can also think of your body as um, a microclimate really you know where just like the weather outside there's factors of humidity dryness inside the body heat cold we're pretty much a weather system inside our body that's another way that we perceive it I love that um I want to jump back before we go to those four questions I really want to jump back into the menstrual cycle and what you mentioned about um that we have kind of created such a thing that it is okay or normal to experience pain with your menstrual cycle and whoever the person is can pursue or kind of see um, menstrual cycle as a burden or something that oh like women get super like pissed off and angry and they just like are munching and eating and just staying in their bed you know I'm like obviously putting it onto extreme but just for me like I feel that I've wanted to really shift that um shift that like viewpoint into that it can be very beautiful self-practice it can be a time to really tune into your feminine and can really indicate and show what is in balance in your body um so could you talk a little bit about that how you pursue the pain in the menstrual cycle and how you see menstrual cycle as a practice yeah so I guess firstly we should definitely celebrate that we have this goddess-like ability to create new life that's essentially what a period is right so it wouldn't be here without the period that endometrial tissue that's building up in women every month that becomes our sort of home for about nine months or so right so we definitely should be celebrating it rather than shaming it and you know unfortunately over time we've become disconnected from our bodies and because of this because we think oh you know it's such a hassle it's such a burden ah you know it's so gross and all that sort of thing but no it's actually a celebration of life every month to remind us that our our bodies have this ability um and you know I think if I also think about the period and also um we should be respecting women in that sort of way yeah so I guess if we come back also back to that five phase theory we can think of it as different seasons so we've got sort of you know four distinct um four distinct sort of parts in the period so if you think sort of bleeding is kind of like that winter time when you come into your body um and then after winter comes spring right so that is that point after your period when it's finished leading up to um, ovulation um Mm -hmm. so each of these different phases i'm not sure if you had read the book uh woman women woman code by elisa vitti no i haven't um but essentially that talks about sort of syncing up with your cycle and you know Mm -hmm. utilizing your enhanced abilities at each of these phases um, and then sort of uh, scheduling your life around that. Um, so the next phase after that would be summer and that's the ovulation phase. And it's kind of perfect timing because I'm sort of in that phase now. So it's a really good time to actually be communicating um, what you want, having conversations with people 
so it's kind of perfect timing that we're having this conversation now. Uh, then after summer comes autumn, so that's when we're leading um, into the luteal phase. Um, so now we're kind of slowly slowing down and then back to winter, back to menstruation. Um, so I guess in terms of, again, honouring the body, we should be honouring these cycles, these seasons. And, you know, when you live in cycle with nature, there's a less likelihood that you're going to get sick, right? You know, if you, summertime, you're meant to be hot. The air conditioning's blasting. That's when you can get sick because you go from really hot from outside into this cold air. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's like going against the seasons essentially. So if we're going to cycle with the seasons, then I think that can help with uh, any sort of menstrual issues. Right. Um, I'm curious to know, is there any like things that really rises up that even though it is very individual thing, but when it comes to menstrual pain, what could it be an indicator from? Yeah, uh, I guess one of the main ones is what we call blood stasis. So essentially, if you imagine um, sort of blood clotting, blood getting stuck in an area in Chinese medicine, we say, you know, um, back to what you said about how acupuncture can help unblock things. So mm. blood can get stuck or chi can get stuck. And when things mm-hmm. get stuck, the area is not getting nourished. And for the body to then sort of draw attention to it, it then creates pain to say, hey, there's something happening here. So whether mm. that blood stasis is what we call uh, more on the deficiency side, so whether or not you have a weakness in the body and that's caused the blood to essentially um, come to a standstill and then cause a pain, or you have what's called on the excess side. So you have something extra in your body. Um, and that might have caused the pain Mm. so acupuncture Mm. and herbs can help with that in terms of um, yeah so the blood issue that relates to the Mm. pain of menstruation yeah Um, one more thing that I want to ask is that um, how kind of like Chinese or yeah Chinese medicine acupuncture sees woman's body like in such a way of like how is the overall viewpoint and the differences between the yin and the yang, so to say? Ah, right. Okay. So if we just think, uh, I guess, at the top level, so mm-hmm. yang is more the masculine energy and then yeah. yin is more the feminine energy. Um, so I guess if we think of, you know, also yin being kind of receiving, yang is more sort of giving um, and yin being more of that sort of darkness going inwards so I think when it comes to our period as well you know that's kind of a time when we want to be sort of tuning into our bodies dropping down not being in that heightened state where we would have been in ovulation time which would be more young dominant because we're kind of out there you know trying to find Mm. someone to put a baby in us sort of thing (laughs) Um, so you know yeah, so women are more yin in that sort of aspect. Um, I guess the softness as well, the softness of our bodies, that's more a yin thing as well. Mm-hmm. Like there was any question of this. Um, uh, how do you like, I've always wondered as we are now talking about the menstrual cycle, why is it every month? Because if we look up to like different animals like dogs or horses or something like that, they have it like much less than every month so why do humans have it every month (laughs) yeah so I remember asking my acupuncture teacher this was there anything in you know those classical texts that talk about why it's sort of that 28 day thing but he said there isn't um whether or not that's a male answer I don't know but and I guess there's a sort of a lot of you know 
knowledge from women that hasn't been passed down that's been lost um, for certain reasons um, so I guess from what I've just sort of been reading studying in different um, modalities is that we're sort of the original uh, calendars if you think back to the 28 day moon cycle mm. so that's sort of I think where it comes from as well so I guess another synchronization with nature perhaps um, but yeah that's a sort of I guess unresearched answer whether or not it's true but just seems that there's always those interesting correlations between the human body and nature as well yeah another thing to add also as well is Chinese medicine looks at um for women seven year cycles and for men eight year cycles so we kind of think like seven year old 14 year old that's sort of about when you get your period um and then so on and so forth if you think you know seven times seven that's sort of around the age of when menopause occurs 49 or so so there's that sort of time synchronicity there as well. Mm, it's interesting. Like, so when you talked about the lunar cycle, it's um, it could be like an indicator that it wasn't always just like, okay, let's make babies every month. It's wherever like this was the way to like connect to the nature and so so to say like have a calendar. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's another thing as well. And if I can remember... Well, supposedly before the industrial age, before, you know, all these lights and everything like that, you know, us living um, longer light hours, um, supposedly women would generally ovulate around the full moon and then would bleed more around the new moon. And then women who were the opposite were more seen as like the healers. Um, so that's another thing to consider as well, whether or not that's true. I don't exactly know, but it's just interesting that that occurs as well. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, now we can jump finally on the four questions. Uh, the first question is that what is a childhood memory that reminds you of your truest essence? Yeah, uh, this is an interesting question. Uh, I have to sort of think about this, but one memory that popped into my head was, I remember, I think I would have been about, I don't know, seven or eight years old and just sort of sitting in my room with my sister and I was sitting sort of by the window and then just looking up and then you know just seeing the light kind of filter in and the dust floating around um and yeah I just remember thinking oh the future is going to be really great and it has been ever since so I think that just oh. kind of reminds me of I guess my positivity my positive outlook essentially that's beautiful and I know exactly what you mean like it's very magical when the the light comes in the window and you can just mm. see this kind of like a light rays in the floor it's very beautiful <laughs> yeah okay and then the second question is that when it comes to meeting new people what is your big turn on I think for me is sort of uh discovering what people have to teach me um, I guess that's a reflection also of my sort of daily blessing that I do. I'm always, always thanking my teachers, past, present and future. So everyone's got their different life experiences and, you know, even just observing strangers, they have something to teach as well. Mm. Mm, that's a beautiful approach. Mm. Yeah. Um, then the third question is, if you would have two months to live, what would be your next move? Yeah, I think being in lockdown and definitely missing travel. Um, mm -hmm. So probably split up the time between travel um, to somewhere I've never been. So maybe South America 
um, even though it's a massive place, but, you know, start somewhere. <laughs> um, and, yeah, spending time with family and friends. Um, and I think something that I've been trying to start but haven't started is I learned about aquaponics a while back. So it'd be cool to sort of get an aquaponics system started, even though you need time to set up bacteria, but it'd just be cool to start that, I think, and see that cycle go through. Yeah, so what is that? Aquaponics, yeah. It's a different way of, I guess, growing or having food. So you have a tank mm -hmm whether it's with some sort of fish and then the water cycles up and the nutrients from the waste from the fish then feed the plants, but then the plants then uh, filter through the waste and then water, uh, clean water comes back through. So you can eat whatever aqua sort of fish or whatnot that you're growing in there as well. And then also the plants, it's essentially a closed loop system. So you don't really have to, if you get the balance right, uh, based upon the bacteria, in the system um, it doesn't require any sort of additional input it's a closed loop system which is quite sustainable and you know reduce your food miles majorly that's so cool <laughs> so grow your own fish and veggies yeah exactly <laughs> okay i need to do some research on that that's very yeah. interesting yeah um then the first question is that what would you say um yeah what would you say for someone who's trying to find direction in their life Yeah, so I think for that, um, firstly, to take inventory of their thoughts, um, sort of differentiate between what's their thoughts and what's thoughts from other people or other programming and things like that. So I think a lot of the thoughts from the programming from other people are sort of going to be taking you away from your subconscious, from your intuition, because deep down inside, you know what you want to do. Um, another thing is also whether you use external validation as a tool or you're relying on that confirmation from someone that, okay, it's time to go take that step. Because I think a lot of people are just sort of holding back and waiting for someone to tell them, okay, it's okay for you to want to change your career. Yeah. But, you know, it's probably a good idea to focus on more as a tool rather than waiting um, for people. So, and then if it does come along, you know, take it as a gift. Um, Like for me, I recently found out in my um, natal chart, um, being in the moon sign, I think it was in the second house that actually, yeah, my work is going to actually revolve around like fertility, infertility, women, the goddess. Um, so just kind of interesting how that sort of confirmation came through. Um, yeah. But yeah, not sort of just relying on it. And yeah, just go out and sort of look for tools of change that can help you um, because If you're in these sort of patterns right now, it's just going to lead you on the same path. But if you're looking for that input of change, um, actually, if we relate it back to that five phase theory, if you sort of make change in one aspect, it's going to have a cascade effect onto everything else. Mm -hmm. So look for that change or even just that little spark that you need and that can help too. Um, and a prime example for that is, you know, a few of my acupuncture patients have actually during the course of their treatment, they have um, gone through a career change. And not mm -hmm. to say that, you know, I caused that or the acupuncture caused that, but I think deep down inside they knew they need they, that change. And acupuncture can be a tool to sort of instigate that, to, I guess, solidify the idea that, yeah, let's go ahead with this. So it's just interesting to see that um, in patients as well, you know, quitting their jobs, starting their own businesses. It's been really beautiful to see that unfold yeah that's beautiful like i think it's a really good like a uh, really good aspect like i also did a lot of 
research on astrology and my chart when I was doing career change and not to say like oh it gives you all the answers but I just think it's very cool to see another perspective and especially if you at all like believe into like universe and stuff like the stars um so to say where's your stars aligned <laughs> so it's just a beautiful way to look at it and just came into my mind which I want to like mention out loud is that um sometimes when I talk with people who can just work like let's say that yeah like they're cafeteria owners and people can think of okay their purpose is to serve cafe and you know pastries and stuff like that and probably it's their passion as well but I think that all of us or most of us whatever like especially if we if we are in this um in this career path of really pursuing what we're passionate for I think that there's always an underlying um so to say like passion or force that brings us further um which I think that now just lift like which I could kind of see that maybe there's underlying passion in you of that career change and even though you do the acupuncture treatment the the yeah the energy that is in your treatment and just what you do with your patients and what you talk maybe just somehow without the words it's just this kind of like um you know energy exchange of them being like hang on am I happy in my career do I want to do this um so I think that that's something that people can also consider that you don't need to always like say like okay I'm really passionate about exactly like female rights or something so I need to like join into a female right group like you can still pursue something very much else like be a lawyer and just stand for female rights for example so I think that's something that uh, is very cool to consider (laughs) yeah definitely there's just so many ways that you can manifest uh, that path and it can just vary so differently across how people want to do it yeah so it's been a super cool conversation I'm so glad to have you here how are you feeling right now yeah really buzzed I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to sleep after this uh, but I'll try but (laughs) yeah it's dark now outside but yeah I'm definitely glad we had this conversation definitely uh good to share and explore these different things that's so nice and yeah thank you so much for joining and I want to also thank all the listeners of joining today and if you found great value in this episode share it further to your friends and loved ones you can also join the Sassy Writer Fashion Break podcast by clicking the follow button on the platform you're listening from and meet me on Instagram at passion.break and Katrina could you also tell the listeners how they can find you yeah uh probably easiest going to be my Instagram handle. So at uh, Katrina with a K, so katrina.q.acupuncture. And then that will link to my website and they can just DM me or email me um, through there. Yeah, beautiful. And before we wrap up this episode, I would like to also mention for all the listeners that Katrina has given some amazing offers, which I will be sharing in the next newsletter. So make sure to go find an easy subscription link on my Instagram bio so you won't miss out the good deals if you're not yet subscribed in the newsletter list. But for now, I want to wish everybody a beautiful rest of the day. And thank you so much, Katrina, again, for joining the Fashion Break podcast. Thank you, Jess, and thank you to the listeners. I got tons of soul on my true collective ball. Famous also famous number one desirable. I do what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with that one in the air. I got tons of soul on my true collective ball. Famous also famous number one desirable.
undesirable